0: All right, everybody. So today on the podcast, we, uh, we were thinking roundtable. The uh, third amigo might be joining later. We're well, not sure. It's probably like 5 or 6 a.m. over there. So maybe he'll, he'll wake up and pop in. But we do have Steve Hall with us today. How are you doing, man?
1: I am very happy to be here. It's always fun chatting to you, Dave. And obviously, like having Jacob here as well.
0: <laughs> when he can make He's it.
1: Good. He's normally good at bullying me. Uh, and I'm just like, I just, I'm terrible at banter. I literally told a lot of people that. <laughs> I was like, I just, I could never do banter. Like, it's such an English thing. I can't do it. I just take it. I'm just
0: okay. You know, I was actually looking at like our last conversation. So, the last date that I think all three of us actually talked was, it says on on Skype here, was last September, which to me, I was like, it's been over a year, which seems crazy to me because we've had, I think, four of the roundtables of all of us. Um, But then I think it seems more recent because then. I had you and Abel together, and then I had you individually – or no, I had you and Pascal, and then I had Jacob individually. So obviously, like, we're talking throughout this time, but I guess it's actually since we've all coordinated it. Um, I actually didn't realize how much – again, because you and I talk on Instagram and stuff too. I didn't realize – I think this is, like, your eighth time or something on this podcast, but we're on a – I guess I've probably been talking to you in general since the summer of 18. It's just – it's weird, this whole podcast thing. I mean, I'm sure even for you, like, how long you've been doing it. Because to me, it still seems like my new venture, and to think that I've been doing it for more than two years, and I've had some people like you on like you know multiple times, so i have had Lyle on like four or five times, and you realize like how much has actually gone on in those in that time span, you know.
1: I it's funny you say this because I literally just had Evan Godby if you've heard, mm-hmm. that before. Um, and I had him. I interviewed him like earlier this week, and I was like, the last time he came on <laughs> was episode like forty in two thousand. Oh, wow and I was like okay it's wow. been a long time yeah
0: <laughs> who do you think has been your most frequent guest Do you think it's like the 3dmj guys or he's well different. mike is it's got to be yeah and then because we do the q
1: a so frequently after mike i'd actually be really interested to know who it is after mike i think like, potter's slowly increasing just because i'm yeah. in quite, quite close contact talking to greg and like you are as well he's mm-hmm. just such a guy he he thinks about things again and I'm really interested in people that think about things differently to how yeah. I do and how the rest of the kind of the crew do and he definitely okay. does get some interesting takes on things that I'm like oh okay um so yeah I don't know who it's definitely Mike and then I don't know who it is after that actually
0: yeah Greg I just had him on for the third time um yeah I like Greg a lot you know he's he's kind of like our age he's got like a good experience in in different areas um yeah. he just sent me his ebook I got a yeah, I told him, I said, like, you know, my life is insane right now, but I'll, I'll you know, at some point post about it in the next couple of weeks, probably. Um, but yeah, yeah, good guy, good guy to talk to. I was thinking, oh, did you see uh, the recent picture of Jared Feather? I just saw Charlie post about it, like, from the back, his hamstrings yeah. and everything. Dude, what the <laughs> hell is that person? Like, is that the same species as me? I mean, that's ridiculous. It's, it's crazy, man. His waist is so small. And his legs, his boots, everything are just, like, I mean, it almost looks disproportionate. It's just just almost, like, weird, but in a very aesthetic way.
1: Have you ever watched um, the anime Baki?
0: No, I haven't. If you just Google
1: Baki, he literally kind of looks like one of the characters, like, this Chinese anime where these guys are all jacked and they're, like, just all cartoon. And I'm just looking at these guys being, like, they're the most aesthetic, like, creatures. They're like Dragon Ball Z, but on steroids, like. Yeah, yeah. And that's, like, Jared looks like a character from this show, (laughs) literally, like, almost, like, perfect in many ways, which, yeah, I guess perfection's a bit far, maybe, but he looks...
0: Yeah, it's... No, but, I mean... His
1: his arms were a weak point, right? And they look kind of, they're crazy now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he he said that when he's fully dieted, I think he said he has a 28-inch waist, uh, which is, like, mine is, like, just under 32, when I'm really lean, like I have a pretty blocky waist, and I know I think you and I have kind of similar sized waists, so yeah. it just changes your aesthetics and your everything just looks so different. Um, and do you know you know Paul? I can't.
1: Remember, is it Paul Canoe? Is that? His yeah. Last,
0: mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, yeah.
1: He's got a similarly like
0: freaky tiny waist, and I'm just yeah. like hat like. <laughs> yeah, he, I haven't seen him at the gym in a while, um, but he's like standing next to him. With, you know, just like normal clothes on, you can tell he's muscular, but it's not like, you know, I mean, he's, he's big, but it's not like, holy shit. But then he takes his shirt off, and it's like, dude, like, what are these proportions, you know? I mean, even when he was really, not like skinny, but when he was, had a lot less muscle, you could just see that potential was there structurally, you know?
1: Yeah, you so, can, some people are just blessed with that, like, yeah. like, you see, you're dealt with certain cards, and you have to play with them in a certain way. And I'm always like, I don't know, if I've got these thicker joint surely that means my maximum muscular potential is higher right that. right <laughs> gonna come at some point
0: yeah right exactly we have <laughs> jacob's 2.0 in here so uh, i think this is the second time i feel bad abel it's not that we don't want to talk to you normally it's just you're you're basically like on the bench and then we call you in when jacob doesn't show up
2: <laughs> i don't know why with that weird australian accent isn't it better to listen to me jesus
0: <laughs> <laughs> um but always great to talk to both of you guys. Obviously, I talk to you guys quite a bit. Abel, you and I talk pretty much every day. Um, Steve and I were just going to dive into my most recent podcast with Dr. John Jaquish. So, Steve, I had kind of cut you off and said, look, like, let's wait until we start recording. Um, that was definitely a controversial podcast. So um, before I kind of delve into it, what did, what did you think, first impression of it, Steve?
1: So, yeah, I, when I saw the guest, I was like, oh,
0: like, I haven't heard of
1: this guy, which is quite funny because I imagine he's actually quite right. big uh, but like in the niche that we're in you sure. don't like I just don't see these people because they don't come into it so I was like oh I want to hear him and then when you kind of spoke and the, you started talking I was like it was interesting because you're like I wanted to but you don't know anything about me like so right was, right to meet each other for the first time which isn't normally how podcasts tend to go like you normally have interacted a bit right. with the person I thought it was like it was an interesting hearing uh, you guys interact and talk. Uh, I think I thought he spoke well. He felt he was like he came across, I think, pretty well, to be honest. Mm. Um, I had to go and see what the product actually was because some of it sounded almost too good to be true. Uh, And I mean, having seen the product, I would uh, kind of have that opinion that a lot of it would seem too (laughs) good to be true. So yeah, I thought it, I enjoyed listening to the podcast. Like it was an enjoyable listen, uh, but I don't know if like I'm gonna go away and right. set
0: it behind me and. and Did it. you happen to see my response video? No, I haven't seen it. No. Okay, so I would that one's gotten quite a bit of attention too. I would, if you have time, watch that one. It's like ten minutes, and um, I you know, give my like full thoughts on it all. Um, Abel, before I do, do you want to <laughs> mention anything? I know you talked about making something yourself, so.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I, I think it was cool of you to get him on as, and when you showed me what the guy is about and what the product is, I was like, man, I, I would have a hard time talking to this guy on air because I would just have so few things in common with him. I mean, mm-hmm. I disagree with the whole philosophy, not the whole philosophy, I mean, the whole idea that this band tension-based training is somehow superior to weight training especially when he has a book with that title of weightlifting is useless or, or what's yeah, the name you know and time yeah yeah as, as the saying goes extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence and mm-hmm. um i think you did a, a pretty good job of it considering that you pretty much feel the same way as well but uh for me it I had to pause every like two to five (laughs) minutes because I just needed some reading room because he was dodging a lot of your questions. He was uh, kind of arrogant. I I don't think he came across that well. And uh, I was actually prompted to do a response video to your podcast later on once you got all the glory and the fame from your response (laughs) video. Uh, So, yeah, some brief thoughts.
0: So, yeah, Steve, definitely, I think you'll be interested to see my response video, but for the most part, my thoughts on it were, so I heard about this guy like a year and a half or two years ago. He called himself the Iron Man of the fitness industry. Obviously, you know, the title is to draw attention, you know, weightlifting is a waste of time. I would say very good chance that this guy has used enhancements of different types over the years, um, clearly has built up his body using probably traditional weight training. So... My thoughts were, and I said this in the podcast, you know, almost everybody, you know, it's very easy to argue with people online and you get into these conversations and that are ridiculous, but almost everybody, I think when you talk like face to face, you kind of have a more reasonable stance and you agree on a lot of things, you know, and I said that to him, I said, you know, so let's see how this goes. I have to say he's probably one of the few people where after talking, I I didn't really feel that way. Um, I thought he kind of acquiesced to things I was saying a few times, you know, like he said, well, you know, yeah, in theory, you could just use bands on like a barbell and things like that in the gym. Um, but what I said in my response video is like, ultimately, like, what do I actually think about his intentions? Because there's it's one thing to just be kind of naive or really believe in something like, for instance, I don't think Lane Norton with his like metabolic damage thing. I don't think he was lying to people intentionally. I don't th- think it was, you know, he just strongly believed in it. And maybe the evidence is like, okay, maybe it's not a permanent thing or, you know, whatever, but I don't think he was like being dishonest at all. And when talking to this guy, uh, Jaquish, my takeaway is like, you're an intelligent guy. And I think you know, that there's a lot of limitations to this system that you're not addressing, that it's gimmicky, and that you're not going to get the best results. And you're certainly not going to get like three times the results like he claims. And so um at the end of the day like did i have a good conversation with him yeah i I enjoyed the topic you know we had some laughs back and forth um but i do think that he's kind of a a con there and and i think he and a lot of it he knows that what he's saying is kind of bs and that's my my problem with it and why i didn't feel too bad about making a response video because you know i appreciate you taking the time and like i said i would totally be cordial and he even said like you know we could do another one like not that i'd be totally opposed to that but i i feel like it's really important for all of us as podcasters to maintain an integrity and say what we believe and whether it's good or bad. And so that's kind of how I went into, I was like, you know what, let's, let's have this conversation. I know you've got a big following, let's see, but ultimately it's not something I could recommend. And I actually got a lot of positive responses to it, even with the response video in an X three, like Facebook group where a lot of people were saying themselves, like, yeah, I have the product, but he's still a scammer. You know, this is good because it's, (laughs) it's you know convenient and it's better than nothing and And i I paid for it more importantly (laughs) right 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 but a lot of them still have the same opinions that we do about him and the product basically they say look kind of what i said it's mechanical tension you can progress with it for sure but is this going to like optimally develop your body i don't think so
1: yeah i think just to i just want to say because i think i was listening to it from just uh it was in the back of like in the behind whilst I was like doing other work. So it was in terms of, and I can see why you enjoyed talking to him because I think he comes across relatively like charismatic and he's quite confident and speaks relatively well. And people, and when I think about it critically, like I think Abel thought about it a bit more critically and you have like a hundred percent, that's someone who's dangerous when they are that well, like they're good at speaking, they're confident uh, and they have like a physique behind it. Yeah. They're the people that are almost the most dangerous because people believe them and they're very believable. And if you don't understand like we do, <laughs> like I don't oh. it just well my mind blows when I'm just like, so all the bodybuilders <laughs> and the right. misread doing it wrong. <laughs>
0: like exactly. Should, Everybody, yeah. well, <laughs> And that's the thing. He was very well spoken. He was I would say kind of beyond confident and, and kind of arrogant. Um and it's you know, something I said to Abel is there's a feel when you've talked with a lot of people, and you've had a lot of interactions and you can just tell like, oh, wow, like you're good at this. You're good at talking to people like this. And if I didn't have a huge background in this area, I'd probably believe you because you're charismatic. And, and that's like you said, it, it can be dangerous if you don't have that background. And Like I said, I'm not just here just trying to talk a lot of crap on the guy. I mean, I appreciate him taking the time. Um, I would talk to him again, you know, just in general. But I think it's a little bit dangerous when, and one of the biggest points I made is like, who's his real target audience? He'll talk about how it's like, you know, these advanced bodybuilders are getting the best results. And it's like, really, the target audience is that casual lifter who's kind of looking for the next thing, who doesn't understand. And that's fine. Like, you know, there are people who get a lot of results with it. Ironically, most of the before and after pictures are fat loss transformations because they discuss <laughs> diet too. So it's like, yeah, you you had some resistance training and you improved your diet a lot. And then, hey, that's great then. That's awesome. But it's it's not this like superior magic system or anything like that.
2: He's carnival. Yeah, I think
0: uh He's what?
1: Carnival guy as well, wasn't he?
0: <laughs> I found that out, yeah. Like as I was like, oh okay, well that just makes it <laughs> so much Great. better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I think the fact that he mentioned that Dave Asprey is someone who is he kind of spoke of him as someone who sure he's not perfect, but fundamentally he's doing the right thing. I think that speaks Volumes of what his philosophy is, which is probably that okay, maybe this is not as great of a system as I make it out to be, but it's 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 still great, and um, yeah, I, I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case because you're selling a product which I just found out through your response video was 500 bucks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. holy crap! And the thing is, <laughs> if I like, if I wanted to make um, create an ebook which says weightlifting is useless. And I would make a point that, look, just get a freaking pull-up bar. I would be, I think, closer to the truth than this guy. Because with a pull-up bar and with just stuff that you can pack into a backpack, your entire upper body is pretty much going to be covered. That's why people don't need to freak out during lockdowns if they cannot go to a gym. And if you do enough you know, high rep pistol squats and lunges and step-ups on a couch or something, you're going to create a decent stimulus. Is it going to be as good as a great hack squat machine and leg pressing he- leg pressing heavy weights? No, but you can make up for that, and that's kind of the same thing that he's saying with the band rows. That like, yeah, it kind of has the perfectly wrong resistance curve for that exercise. <laughs> but you can make you can make up for that. Okay, the fact that you can make up for it already suggests that it's inferior, right? So I feel like we're getting a yeah, nice little just, preview
0: um, of Abel's future response video here. <laughs>
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I think in a written ta- transcript, I would have like been, I would yeah. have a very different opinion to hearing it, which is actually sure. what's because I was just like, I wasn't taking it in. So yeah. I, I,
0: yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, Seeing it in writing versus just like, because there's so much more than just the words, right? So actually, I want to get your opinion on one other thing here. So um, I would have to, I think I have to space out <laughs> controversial podcasts a little bit. <laughs> But, um, you know, somebody had talked to me about having Jason Blaha on and it's funny because, so I I was thinking about it and I was thinking about this, like before we started recording, um, because the difference between you, Steve and Jacob and myself is like your podcast, like, like it's pretty much everything you do is online coaching for the most part. Right. And so I think your podcast, you have to take it as seriously as you can because it's kind of like your business. Jacob would be maybe a step below that in terms of how seriously he has to take the podcast because he's also got the gym and you know other things that he's doing I think larger the gym but in-person training that he does as well so it's not all about that and then for me you know as seriously as I do take the podcast you know I'm a dentist and and this is something that I do as an enjoyable hobby and I, I do coach people you know actually now more than I used to because of the podcast but it's it's not I'm okay with not taking everything so seriously you know what I mean like I have some more comical videos and everything and so it's fine. And so, you know, somebody like John Jaquish, would I have had him on like if I was you, Steve? Probably not, you know. But for me, I think it's fine. And Abel you're kind of in a similar situation where like you're in fitness, but you also have another job unrelated to fitness. Um so with Jason Blaha, I was kind of like, okay, so would that be a good idea for the podcast? And I honestly think like I would just want to talk to him because I don't know if you ever watched his video, Steve, when you were getting into it or if you did Abel, but like yeah, I've been watching YouTube since it started and Blaha was like a big name from two thousand and I don't know, like eleven to sixteen, maybe, and he's still around, but not as much. Um, and obviously like huge controversies in the industry. I mean, Lyle McDonald hates him, Lane Norton and him have that huge thing. But I've seen, like in the past I had seen so many of his videos and I have plenty of criticisms about him, but I actually just think it might be an interesting conversation. So I'm I'm going back and forth on it.
2: I would do it if I were you. I mean, the the only thing is I would be not sure what to actually talk about with him because mm-hmm. it's not like he has a lot of controversial takes on a lot of things. So it's not like John Jaquish with, okay, band tension is the end all be all. It's like he gives pretty decent training advice and nutritional advice, I guess. It's yeah. just I haven't been watching his videos for like a in two years it's, at least. Yeah,
0: it's been years for me too. I think the reason is... But that's actually almost part of it is I actually think he's not like just like this idiot, you know? I mean, the guy is deadlifting, yeah. like I think like 600 pounds. He's got sound advice. He just was like, went through the biggest trolling of all time in like YouTube fitness and stuff. So I think it could actually be a somewhat interesting conversation. That like maybe a different take than, you know, was out there. And I've had both Lane and Lylon who hate each other as well. So, you know, I, I think... Um, you know, I, I certainly don't limit it in that sense. I
1: think your assessment of my podcast is at least spot on. Uh, I'm very careful with who I end up bringing on, even to the point where I forget. I actually can't even unfortunately remember his name. The guy from Squat University, where yeah. I, he was someone, he has a big Instagram following. I can't actually remember his name. I'm, I'm terrible at names, but he puts out some not great information after oh, doing it. I realized that and I'm like, I need to really be careful with whenever I bring someone on, I want to kind of fully research them, understand everything. And I've even, I've had characters on the podcast where I certainly don't agree with everything they say. And I think it's a, it's a balance because I don't want to just bring on people and like spread my own dogma. Exactly. Yeah. You know,
2: right?
0: So you had the guy on from Squat University and later you saw that he was putting out some questionable stuff.
1: Yeah. So, and I think there's partly because some of the content he spoke about in the podcast was like, you know, I don't know, you've probably had it where you're speaking to someone, you're like, okay, and you're like, "Yeah, you that right, look, right. shit, I really disagree. To... <laughs> I think he's called Aaron Everett, maybe, or something. Um, kind of
0: sounds familiar.
1: But yeah, it was, it was various points in there. I mean, mostly it was good stuff, and I think he mostly puts out good information, but, you know, there's sometimes people that they just have something that's just a bit like, mm, that just doesn't seem right. like based, so it's challenging actually I think as a podcast host in some ways because you yeah again you don't want to just I sometimes find myself I'm like am I just confer like bringing on people to confirm my own bias all sure. the time
0: which is well I think also you have different people on for different reasons right so if I'm or Scott Stevenson on it's like I'm we're diving into the science right and and that's what we are looking for you know I've had some power lifters on where I'm like you know, I'm not looking to you as an intellectual resource. You know, you're super strong and accomplished, and that's awesome, and we're going to talk about that. But, like, the information I'm getting from you and and why I'm having you on, it's just different, you know, and I think it's different reasons. And for me, I have a pretty broad spectrum, but, you know, with you, not that you don't, Steve, but you are, it's very educational, right? Like, that's kind of the point of yours, and and I think that's great. You know, you really focus on that, so you may be more limited in who you can bring on. And also, yours is specifically bodybuilding for the most part. I mean, yeah. you, you branch out a little bit. Um whereas, you know, for me, I mean, I've even considered at some point just again, like the nice thing with the podcast is being able to talk to people who you maybe not would not have had access to before, where I would be fine branching out to like something that's specifically just health or or even, you know, other things if, if they were interesting enough to talk to, you know?
2: Yeah. And it I becomes think- a uh sorry, just wanted to say it becomes a really kind of fine line or a fine art. Once your podcast is very intimately tied with your business, because, for example, Steve, you guys at Revive Stronger, it's pretty clear that you have a philosophy on training and dieting and structuring it in a certain way. And if you have someone on that is, you know, has reasonable takes, but is in a completely different way, then either you have to be willing to be pretty disagreeable on your podcast or it can actually become confusing to your own audience. It's like okay, you're endorsing something like this which is clearly not in line with what you're doing. Um Mike Matthews for example, masterful for life, who by the way I respect more than most people. He's kind of a role model for me in many ways, mainly in like business stuff. But with him I found this a little bit frustrating in that he got on people who disagreed with him on a couple of things like he was big on training a muscle group one time a week, for example, for a long time. And then he had someone on who was talking about training more frequently and he would not disagree with them. He would just kind of find an in-between solution where he would just interrupt them all the time and not let them finish their sentences. So it's like He made it seem like they all agree on everything. It's like, yeah, yeah, well, you can train more times a week, but of course you need a very, very free schedule for that, and it's not feasible for most people. Anyway, next topic, protein intake, you know, and it was, like, kind of frustrating to listen. I heard him
0: talking with Ben Pakulski. I don't remember who was on whose podcast, because they both had podcasts, but, you know, Ben Pakulski seems to believe that genetics just don't matter at all and that he has shit genetics despite being you know like a top 10 olympia guy he might have even been top six at one point um and mike Matthews said like you know but yeah like not everybody can do that and ben was just saying like yeah like you know if they worked harder and then i think mike was just like all right i'm just gonna drop it i think you know what he was on ben's podcast and i think he probably if you're a guest like you don't want to be a jerk and and you know people are taking the time to talk to you but yeah, it, it can be tough when you really disagree. I'm a pretty disagreeable person, so I don't mind doing it. <laughs> but
2: I, I understand why people do it. It's yeah. amazing, Dave, that you still call people out when they skip the genetics topic, that you do that every time. I, <laughs> I love that about you and your podcast. Like when you had Brian Whitaker on recently and he started out on the, well, Doug Miller is as big as he is because he's so precise with his nutrient timing and whatever. And I was like, my brain started boiling. And then you called him out. Perfect. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad somebody's appreciating it. Uh, by the way, Steve,
0: are you sponsored by Resilient Nutrition? Is that, a nutrition, is that their shirt there? It, it is the shirt.
1: I'm not sponsored by them, though. Oh, um, man. So just I doing just, it for free. Yeah, happy enough
0: to have a t-shirt. <laughs> Your body space is worth a lot, man. You have like 30,000 <laughs> followers and subscribers. You got to get money for that. I told him I will yep. share everything he wants as long as he sends me some Resilient Nuts. That's all I want. <laughs> have, you, have you tried the product yet? No, they don't ship to America yet. Oh, uh, yeah. I, mean, I said, like, you can get it in, like, random countries over there, but you, you can't get, get it. In it. Fr- you can't get it in France?
1: You can't, no. Just because someone messaged me and was like, I was trying to order it, but I can't get it in France. Really? <laughs> Interesting. No, but
2: kind of random. Oh. So want to be sponsored th- by Walden Forms. <laughs> 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 what do you guys think about, uh,
0: you know, actually taking that topic seriously as far as band training or just variable resistance? So... Chains, bands, you know, you have guys who I respect, like John Meadows, who actually does incorporate reverse bands and banded training into their hypertrophy work. Obviously, that type of um, resistance has been used a lot by guys like Westside and powerlifters. It seems like even powerlifters have kind of gotten away from that. You know, the chains and you know, Westside, like I said, it was like a huge thing. Um, I mean, they would load up to incredible weights, and so that, like at the top, it's just you know maxed out, and then at the bottom, you're you're could be taking off three, four, or five hundred pounds at the bottom. Um, do you guys incorporate that at all? I know neither of you are like super focused on just strength training, but have you even tried it,
1: Steve? You can go ahead first. Okay. Uh, so yeah, the banded stuff. I can only really talk in terms of hypertrophy because I just never look at strength or do any strength training. <laughs> so I can't really comment on that. And I, I think, it I don't know, maybe it has more applications there in terms of for hypertrophy. It's interesting because it's actually in the last few years, at least to my eyes, has become something quite popular, at least, it, or it's maybe a trend that comes in and kind of goes away again, where people are banding up everything and
0: doing. Maybe even more with now it. with COVID because you have to do home workouts and stuff. So. Yeah.
1: And because um, people are often using it to kind of level off the kind of match the strength profile to the resistance curve. If I've got those ter- that terminology right, I don't know. Because, um, yeah, they're, they're kind of reverse banding hack squat because kind of the hardest position is the bottom. And then it gets really easy at the top. And I can see the kind of the, the idea behind it. And I understand that having tried it, I'm not sure it's kind of like a game changer or something magnificent i more so utilize it now and then as variation if i want to but it's another thing to have to think about like in mm-hmm. terms of setting it up and remembering the the bands and if i don't know you forget them one session it's in your mesocycle it's quite a big change from having yeah. band, but then not having anything uh and i i'm not aware of much research on it at all in terms of like actually trying to find evidence for it so i think there was only one and they kind of looked into it in mass and it was like pretty equivocal to whether I'm using it or not using it so I don't tend to program for clients again because I don't expect them to have bands and carry them around if they want to try it I'm more than happy to kind of have it as a variation I think it can be useful for potentially like I don't know if you've got a bit of a back injury or something maybe kind of softening the lower position and making that a bit more comfortable could be okay but I mean there's probably other workarounds like but you can utilize like using a leg press or something that's not going to axial load you the same way. So my opinion is I can see the rationale. I need more kind of convincing evidence probably to utilize more because it's another inconvenience. And so mostly just use it as a variation.
2: Right. yeah, I, I myself had a short phase when I was just banded, bending everything in sight. And, um, Hmm. I think just, uh, logically thinking about it for presses, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, on a a bench press, the sticking point is somewhere here, you know, as you're like coming off your chest and then it gets easier again at the, the lockout position. So if you were to, for example, you do a set of eight, one rep in reserve, and then you just do a whole bunch of partials at the very top, you could do a bunch more reps so if you're using the bands, you're equating the whole strength curve, and then it's kind of equally hard throughout the whole movement. So I think it makes a lot of sense. The reason why I stopped it is because it was just a pain in the ass, and uh, people were looking at me weird in the gym all the time. And um, it was like, man, does it really worth it? Uh, I so I have kind of janky knees. They tend to act up quite a bit on certain movements, like on deep smith machine squats so for that it was kind of handy that i could use a lighter load or or actually a heavier load still and uh then it was easier in the bottom if you're if i'm reverse bending it so the band tension comes from the top but uh the problem is is that it's just really difficult to find the right band tension and that's just something that you kind of have to feel around so you're going to use a band and then okay now it's like way too little tension at the bottom okay, now it's not enough. So you kind of have to be pretty precise with it. And there are some pretty good devices for that. So if any one of you guys, I know Steve, you had him on Joel Bennett, the hypertrophy yeah. coach. He recommends this little, uh, what is it called? Uh, a daisy chain or something like that. So that's something that allows you to adjust how high or low the, the band tension starts. So mm-hmm. then you can kind of work around it. But I'll just find it to be, too much of a pain in the ass to keep on using it. But there was a period. If you look at my Instagram, I was doing leg presses, really? Smith machine wow. squats, Smith machine bench presses, everything with bends.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, a couple of points on it. I mean, One, I've never seen any evidence. I'm not saying that it's not out there, but I've never seen any evidence uh, to show that it's going to be superior for hypertrophy at all. Even from a strength standpoint, I don't know why this stuck in my head, but I remember years back, um lane norton was being coached i think the guy's name is ben escrow um and he was being coached by him and he was saying ben was saying how there's no reason that you should be training with this accommodating resistance the bands you know and that basically it's it's always better or and even like with partials at the time he seemed to just feel like it was always better to train with full range of motion and just like the regular strength curves and i guess he was just going for very high specificity Obviously, some people disagree with that Westside has produced some of the strongest people in the world and they pretty much, you know, espouse the opposite of that. So I'm not saying it's definitely right. I just remember him saying that I think, like you said, it's, it's very hard to, you know, it's more to bring. I also think it's hard to keep track of because bands can lose tension over time. So, you know, I have two elite FTS, like black bands, and I don't like one of them I was using for, um, like traction, you know, where like, you like kind of like pull the muscle away a little bit, just as a kind of like a rehab. And I always use the same one. And if I hold them up, one of them is like an inch or two more stretched out than the other one. So, you know, you could almost think that you're getting weaker over like a longer period of time, you know, especially like at our level where like, you're looking at 10 pounds, maybe in a year on like a, a certain mm-hmm. lift. Well, now the band tension is worse. Maybe you actually progress and it looks like you didn't, or you got a new band and all of a sudden you're like, Hey, my strength is great. And In reality, there's just more tension. Um, how far away, you know, depending on the lift you're doing, if it's something where, like, you know, somebody's trying to hold the band down. Well, if you hold it, like, an inch closer or further away, that can make a big difference in how much tension is there versus, like, if you have a 40-pound dumbbell, you've got a 40-pound dumbbell. I mean, you know, for the most part, you know, they if they're calibrated and whatnot. So I think that creates a lot of issues. I think for variety, it can be kind of fun, different way to, you know, mix it up. Maybe from, like, an ego standpoint, you know, you're into certain lifts and hey, it looks like you're doing a lot more weight. So that's cool. Um, But really just for variety, I will say one anecdote I have that isn't a great anecdote, but back in 2017, I bought a neck harness to try. And, you know, my neck, it's funny, even neck, which seems like attachments wouldn't matter that much. You know, we talk about like long versus like short attachments versus like biceps, for instance, and how that makes a big difference. But I found that even with neck, like I always thought like, man, I had this skinny neck. But it measured, like, at the Adam's apple, like, 15 and a half or something like that. And then I would, like, look at my brother and I'd say, you, you have, like, a thicker neck. And it would be, like, the exact same measurement. So I don't know if it's just, like, the length of the neck whatever. But the point is, it, it still matters. <laughs> so I bought this thing just to try it. And I just did it with bands for the first month. And I was progressing. Every time I did it, I progressed. And I, it felt good. Like, when I was doing it, I was like, this actually really feels like it's hitting the muscle. And after one month, no growth at all. And so I was like, well, I'll give it one more month, but like, it just seems like it's not going to happen. The second month I then went to weights and I'm like ready to stop because I'm like, okay, it's been two months. I'm just going to stop, took the measurements and it was up like a quarter inch. And I was like, damn, like I did not expect that since that time I've gained like just over an inch on the neck. So now I've gone from looking at myself and thinking, wow, you have a skinny neck to like, you kind of have a normal neck at least. (laughs) So (laughs) it's not as bad. But the point is It didn't grow when I was using the bands and it did with the weights. Now it was the first month that I was using the bands. Was I just, you know, developing that neural efficiency where, you know, I didn't actually need to build muscle. I could get stronger, just kind of developing the motor patterns. Totally possible. I have no idea, but that's the only like direct comparison where I just did bands and then I just did weights. And so I never went back to bands after that because I just didn't see a point. Perfect.
2: Combine them. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Right. <laughs> actually, I actually have a neck harness at home and now I have the cable stack set up. So I was thinking of using the neck harness on that, but yeah. Um I don't know. I, I'm too scared of the whole sleep, sleep apnea thing, which uh, I know is a bit overblown, but I'm a bit freaking too freaking out of that. So
0: yeah, I definitely think it's overblown. I think um But, you know, I mean, that's because I came from, like, a smaller neck. I mean, if you have an 18-inch neck, then I don't think you should probably do it. I actually also found that I haven't had, like, just from my profession, I'm, like, frequently kind of bent over and, like, looking down. And I have significantly less neck pain since doing it. So even if I, like, it was, like, you know, you could never grow anymore or it's even going to go back, I would still do it a little bit just for, it just seems to correlate with, like, a reduced neck pain there.
1: I've never tried neck training. Only traps.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I got to ask you, Steve, um, it's like the third time I, I thought about it and I just never asked you, you have great biceps, but I got to ask about this bicep curl form of yours because I've never seen anybody <laughs> do this like where you go up and I'm guessing your rationale is that, you know, the biceps are involved to some degree in shoulder flexion. It just, even when I don't use weight, that feels super awkward to me to like finish curling and then go up but I guess it feels good to you. I just kind of, I've wanted to ask you about that for a while.
1: Yeah. So I never used to do it and it was only until I saw Mike doing it. And I was like, I could
0: see that being a Mike recommendation.
1: <laughs> Why are you doing this Mike? And he was like, well, the biceps assist with shoulder flexion. So then I started trying it. And I just found I got just like, it just kind of finished off the movement for me. I just got a better full contraction there. So I don't recommend it for everyone, but for most movements when i do it i just get a little bit more and i don't feel it in my anterior delt whereas like i guess people would say that's where you're going to feel it potentially and unfortunately i do see people do it and they're like lifting their shoulders all the way really high and i'm like that just looks like you're doing a front raise now it's kind of like an all-in-one for me where i just lift just a bit so i don't know i just get a better
0: so so you really feel like it it makes a difference for you it it feels better than a like keeping up Oh, yeah, I'll have to try it with weight. Maybe it'll feel different with weight because I do. There's, oh, i like I can show this on the camera here. But like when I curl up, there's definitely like a like you kind of go like this, and like you feel like you're done, and then there's like that that little bit of that, you know. And yeah, it's and that I do feel a difference, and not the weight I can use is similar. But there's like like I said, there's this, and then there's that little, but and maybe I'm wrong. When I'm watching you, it almost looks like you're like this, and. I, I'll, I'll try it with weights because I haven't yet. It just, it just, when I look at it, I'm just like, <laughs> it just seems awkward. But obviously, I mean, it seems to be working for you, so. Yeah, I mean, I
2: think the, the Kasim hansen esque uh, like, technical breakdown would be is, is kind of a recommendation against that because, yes, the biceps are assisting in shoulder flexion, but then elbow, what is it, elbow flexion is like the, the bicep. So when you're doing the two together, I think that's... I always forget which one is active and passive insufficiency. But when the muscle becomes too shortened, it cannot activate anymore, basically. So that's kind of the reason why you want to lay back on a leg extension. Like if you were to do a leg extension and like... Okay, this is going to be very awkward. Like do a leg extension and like pull your knees up at the same time. It would be very awkward. Like that's what happens when you're making a fist. If you're trying to make a fist... Like this, with your elbow with your wrist flexed like this, you can't like it goes back up, hmm. so it's, it's kind of like your the muscle becomes too lengthened or too shortened, and I think the biceps become too shortened if you do shoulder flexion and elbow flexion at the same time. But with that said, what I did notice is so I did the same like behind the like the cable stick behind you type bicep curls. Mm-hmm. the Bayesian curl, I think Meno was the first one who really like popularized it. And my shoulders were always hurting when I was doing them. Like I don't know, I felt my front delts just couldn't resist the weight properly. And when I let my elbow move forward just a little bit while I was doing them, it all of a sudden started feeling a lot better, uh, both for my biceps and on the shoulder front. That so is probably there's That's kind of
0: like you know, if you look at, like, an incline curl where you're kind of, like, leaned back on an incline bench, it's, obvious. It's like, the exact opposite, right, of, like, what Steve would be doing. It sounds like kind of like what you were doing with the cable, having it, like, behind you. And the same thing like, a drag curl, like, the idea behind that is, in theory, you're isolating the biceps more. But I never felt like drag curls... I don't know. It just didn't, like, in the same way you were saying, Steve, it's, like, that little bit of thing. With drag curls, it was, like, I just didn't feel like I was completing the movement, you know, where you're just trying to keep the bar against your body like that. So... If I had to pick the one, I, I would go with the additional shoulder flexion. Just again, just based on feel, um, obviously, you know, I wouldn't say you, know, you have to stick with one variation all the time anyway.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know the biomechanics well enough. Uh, I find the area of biomechanics is something I want to get better at. It's just finding a good resource. Uh, yeah. I feel bad saying finding a good resource because obviously N1, Coach Kassim I do think he's got some great stuff to say. It's just sometimes... I don't agree with everything, or I see other people not agreeing with everything, which mm. makes me feel a bit like, oh, why aren't they agreeing? I'm like, I want to have, like, the ultimate resource. That's yeah. just like, um But I with think, the... I like, don't
0: know it, if you has got any... Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, just with the incline uh, curls and the behind, like, the Bayesian style curls, I don't raise up on those, mm. because that doesn't feel better for me. It feels better to keep it just the usual kind
0: of... And that's so with I, like, is that with a yeah. like, cable?
1: Yeah, with the cables behind or on like an incline, I don't tend gotcha. to read because when yeah, I do, it, seems like it feels awkward with the
0: cable. Yeah, I um, I don't know if he has any material out on it, but I know Greg Knuckles feels very confident in his uh, knowledge on biomechanics. So maybe even just like a podcast, he's probably somebody who's good to learn from in that area because I know he said that he feels very competent in that area. So, do you guys have other movements that? And it could be for any muscle group that is kind of like outside of the norm. I know um, both of you, you know, you post up some videos of you guys doing different things. I've always kind of felt like for the most part, if you get very strong on like the main movements, like that's going to be where the majority of your muscle comes from. But I definitely recognize that there are some people where they have a hard time. It seems like back is a big one uh, that people have a really hard time kind of like activating the muscles properly. I know John Meadows has a whole like series on that with his Meadows rows. Um, I I guess, like, back was kind of one that always responded better for me. Like, if I have, like, any genetic gifts there, it would be my back relative to everything else, I guess. Um, So it wasn't an area that I really had to focus on. And if anything, it, you know, we could get into a whole thing on, like, can you bring up weak muscle groups? Because I've I've given my back less attention probably than everything else, and it's proportionally remained better than others. Um, But do you guys have, like, any particular movements that you lean towards where it's like, this is a little goofy or, or different but you really feel like it makes a difference
2: hmm. I? yeah i mean for me it's just so i don't have anything like this like the like the bicep curl where okay like this just looks completely different compared to how most people do it so i don't have some like really special lateral raise variation where the elbows and the arms are like rotating in really funky fashions it's just um like slight things that I, that I noticed that certain things just hurt my joints every time I do, do them that way. So on the leg press, for example, now I know exactly like what is that level of like where should I place my, my foot on the pad and how far should I be leaning back until it, it like starts hurting my hips so and, and oftentimes I don't post my videos on Insta- Instagram, for example, for that reason, because I can see that it's not like textbook form. Like this is not how it should look like ideally. Or um, like, for example, there was a che- I have this chest press machine. And the thing is, when I'm locking out, like if if you're just looking at it, it looks like I'm not locking out completely. And I ended up getting a shit ton of comments like I'm sorry about this, not even close to lockout. <laughs> but it's like it, you you can just feel like you could do that extra like one millimeter of movement, but it just wouldn't really make any additional difference. And you're kind of getting all the stimulus that you need from like as far as you locked it out. So I have a lot of little things like that, or whatever on the lecture, like how much I'm extending my my knee. So a lot of small things like that. But um mm yeah and, and then that's the thing like form often like good form and this is again something i heard from meno but i think it's it's something to remember like good form doesn't necessarily mean like perfect looking form or pretty form like it's basically the technique that you need to do, use to get the job done pain-free and to work what you want to get worked yeah you
0: know? i'll be used to
1: you. i am really boring i think because i don't think there is anything apart from maybe the bicep curl um there's nothing else I don't think I do that I, I'm i blessed with or not blessed. I don't know. It depends uh, with like big wrists, like big ankles, big knees. So I've never really had any particular niggles and I can seem to get away with much like crushing them in whatever way yeah. I need. Them. So I don't right. think I think most of my form ends up being relatively textbook. But I mean, yeah. the one I, that I struggle most with back <laughs> opposite to you in terms of yeah. like we, and like, yeah, it's just not things feel okay, but it's always just a tricky one.
0: Right. Yeah. If we ever have a pose down, Steve, we are only doing back shots. That's my strong point and your weak point, and that's the only place I'm going to be able to hold a candle there. So <laughs> my front double bicep is probably actually worth. If I get the
1: angle that takes a photo of me right, the front double bicep looks all right. But if they get the wrong angle, I'm like, what the fuck? My lats like are under my armpits, and I've got nothing there. And I like.
0: I'll look at myself post-workout in the mirror, and I'm like, this is okay. Like, this isn't that bad. And then I'll, like, try to take a picture, like, you have, like, on your Steve, and I'm just like, this doesn't look good at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then it makes me think, okay, if this looks this bad, but in the mirror I think I look pretty good, then Steve looking good in his <laughs> pictures must look like a god in person. I've been curious, like, you know, how would you would look? Because I was talking to um, Jess, who... didn't I think she or you were saying like for the longest time, you didn't know her last name. And now that I'm like, I'm on the spot, I'm like blanking. Um, With Delanglish, I'm I, I'm yeah. feel awful. That I'm <laughs> a little bit not sure which one I'm picking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she, she was telling me that uh, in person that you're, you're pretty damn big. So,
1: oh, what a compliment. That's nice. Yeah. yep. I always think I would,
2: I'd h- be really worried. I was not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> what Were you saying, Abel? I would be really curious to stand like next to you guys or stand next to Eric Helms. I would be just so curious to see how this all looks like in person because, Steve, you, you look great on your pictures. Um, and I remember you posing with Mike Isretel. And, I mean, just in terms of stats, he should be like a different human being. He's like, whatever, five, six and a half. He's not 5'6", so important to point out. 169 centimeters, so he's downplaying his height. And uh, 110 kilos at the time or whatever. You're 5'10", and whatever you were at the time, 190. So it should look drastically different. And I'm not saying that he didn't look more muscular, but it wasn't like, wow, like different species, you know? So I would be really curious to see, like, okay, Eric Helms, for example. Okay, I know that he has probably a good six, seven kilos of muscle on me, how does that actually look like in person? So
0: I think sometimes it can be almost underwhelming though, in person, depending on, like I said, like with clothes on, I think before you jumped on Abel, Steve and I were talking about that, like um, we were talking about Jared feather looking insane in some of his recent pictures and he just has a super tiny waist. I mean, he just looks ridiculous and um, Paul canoe was somebody else we were talking about. And I, I mean, he's clearly got amazing structure, I think there's a good chance he's going to go pro when he competes. Um, but, like, seeing him in person, you know, with, like, shorts and a T-shirt on, like, you can tell. I mean, this guy's got muscle on him. And, I mean, like, I don't want to downplay it. Like, he clearly has plenty of muscle. But it's not, like, if you're wearing a loose shirt, it's it's not like if I met him not at the gym, I'd be like, wow, this is a huge bodybuilder. You know what I mean? Like, and I think if all of us and Eric Helms, like, we're all within – one to two inches of height and you know 10 to 15 pounds of body weight like the average person would probably see us and say like oh those are just similar looking you know white hair like white dudes with dark hair you know what i mean like we're all just kind of like similar so um i don't know if it would be like a drastic difference but yeah when you get like on stage or when you're you're doing like a pose down and you're, you have your shirt off and everything then i think those small differences or even like medium differences really pop out you know yeah, yeah.
1: Mike, mike in person just fucking he's huge like just like you hug him and you're just like what the fuck is this barrel
0: just, <laughs> and when rocks. i met him he was wearing a gi so i didn't really get to see i just saw like a you know kind of like a square coming towards me or you know <laughs> like a blocky dude but
1: but i think for us guys we would all comparable like no one would look like oh you don't lift you you obviously lift right yeah you all look relatively muscular
0: yeah well maybe if we had i don't know when another like meetup is going to happen i never went to any of them i think you guys have both been to a few obviously i don't think there's been any since covid but i I haven't even heard of any being talked about but it's not something i'm like really keeping in touch with all the time
1: we're hoping that eric and mike and et al is going to happen uh next year because that's what got cancelled this year so okay. that, it ended up being a podcast it was actually quite funny how that ended up happening it was like they're many come over and debate this topic and they ended up it came like came to fruition in a different way
0: <laughs> oh right, right, right okay gotcha gotcha all right well i uh, looks like it's just after three now on my end i do have a coaching call i gotta jump on abel i appreciate you being able to jump in here i appreciate you, steve being able to coordinate our times before we head out where can everybody find your stuff
2: going able uh ssd able on youtube and on instagram and i'm revivestronger.com and revivestronger
0: on instagram